And I hope you're thinking of me As you lay down on your side Now the trucks don't work They just make you worse But I know I'll see your face again Now the trucks don't work They just make you worse But I know I'll see your face again Welcome, Bomber fans, to another edition of the Essendon Board Big Footy Podcast. I'm the prosecutor, and joining me for this match review, I have table tennis. Welcome to you. Thank you very much, Mike. How are you? I am doing okay, considering Essendon's recent form. I guess on that matter, we'll go straight into the match review, where Essendon lost on the weekend by 53 points to the West Coast Eagles at Etihad Stadium. It was Essendon 9-13-67 to the West Coast Eagles 18-12-120. Disposal-wise, Joe Watson topped the list with 32, followed by Michael Hibbard with 30, Malkshin with 28, and Brendan Goddard, Dyson Heppel and Stanton with 27 each. On the goal um, tally board, we have Goddard with 3, Winnerlichton 2, and 1 each to Bagley, Hooker, Comer and Bell Chambers. Um... There was one injury to come out of it with uh, Jason Winderlich doing yet another hamstring, which will see him out for two weeks. And there was trouble with the match review panel with Dustin Fletcher receiving a rough conduct charge, which allows him to accept a two-match penalty with a guilty plea. While Ryder was also charged with rough conduct, however, he can accept a one-match ban with an early guilty plea. In the team disposal stats, Essendon had 397 to West Coast's 364. Contested possessions, Essendon won 145 to 141. Inside 50s, Essendon won 60 to 51. Uh, clearances, Essendon lost by one, 38 to 39. And tackles, Essendon lost 67 to 69. So I guess table tennis, uh, what did you make of the game and where do you think it all went wrong? I think there was a few things that went wrong with um, I think starting off. I think uh, the attitude of the guys, I think is dropped off dramatically over the last three weeks so I think uh, a long year probably got a fair bit to do with it but um, you can just tell that the runoff half back isn't quite as uh, prevalent as it was early days and I think losing Dempsey doesn't help but um, and also there was a bit, bit of one rate one thing which uh, hasn't been a feature of it until the last couple of weeks but um, you could probably almost understand the situation that they're in, and it might seem hard just to summon them. Yeah, um, there was rumours during the week that the AFL Player Association told the players and the club as a collective that um, they should expect to be playing for no points for the rest of the year. So yeah, I guess course. that type of um, that mentality, and of course it's in the papers and in the media as well, that you know Essendon is... You know, an odds-on chance to lose their points, and it must be tough for them with that um, that hanging over their head to perform each week, knowing that it could ultimately mean nothing. Yeah, definitely. Well, but putting you know, twelve months of a preseason and um, you know, put on a real good performance for three quarters of the season, just to be told that it's all for nothing. I mean, it'd be pretty easy to turn up with players and put their credit back. It's taken them to be worn down to the point where they are, and um, you know, as a supporter, 
it's hard to sort of watch, but um, it's understandable at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Herd's alluded to much in recent weeks, because obviously the clubs uh, try to convey the positive message, but I guess reality has to hit some point that this does take an effect. But um, it's not just a mentality uh, where we have the problem as well. There's um, a clear problem with the um, forward line. And I said it before, but Essendon actually had nine more inside 50s, and it's again resulted in a big loss. It's not the first time this year. We've had the Geelong game um, in previous years. I know there was the Sydney game of 2012 where we won the inside 50s by about 20, and we just don't have the ability up forward to seemingly kick a winning score or convert our chances. And Scott Gumbleton was virtually unsighted on the weekend. Hurley's out injured. Carla was moved up forward for the last quarter without effect. Um, do you see any solution for, to our forward line problems? Well, um, I can see where the, where the problem was. I think um, our overinflated uh, inside 50 counts can be often a direct result of our probably our positive influence in the, the centre clearances. Um, having Watson in there, we often get a, quite a few rushed inside 50s and not quite uh, quality inside 50s and given their forwards the best opportunity. And the second problem is a lot of our repeat inside 50s are often rushed um, under the pressure of opposition um, sides where earlier in the year we uh, created space for each other a lot better and uh, shepherded and did a more of the team balanced one percenters it seemed to have just been lacking the last couple of weeks and that just gave our Midfielders with all their kicking skills, you know, your, your Heppels, your Goddards, your Zara Arkansas, uh, Watson, time to hit up a target, and we're a lot more effective when that was the case. And, uh, and now, I mean, we're doing a lot of bombing into tall targets, and I mean, Scott Gumbleton hasn't had a real good run at it, and it's two weeks here, and a couple of weeks back in the Nikus, and Joe uh, her up and back down, and injuries to and uh, Hurley, it's just it's been hard to get a good balance down there and I think our number one forward in the back half of the year has been Wendell, he's missed the last four of the last five games so um, and again injuring himself so I think it's been hard to get a balance and the uh, core form of Alan Baby and Daryl Jetter and the wife sort of come up uh, Chuck Collier played the game up and said uh, the rest but it's been hard to get a, a great balance Four there's been so many changes that they can't settle. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Wendelick because it seems that every time he comes into some sort of form, he's either rested or um, seems to re aggravate any injury he has. Because I remember after Anzac Day, he had that fantastic performance, and then where he was rested against GWS, and again he seemed to work his way into form before being rested, and now he's come back and started off promisingly before um, going off yet another hamstring injury. But I think it's a pertinent point you made as well with the um, our actual quality of ball inside 50 as well. Because there's so many times where it seemingly uh, appears that the ball's kicked on their head or below their knees and all that sort of stuff, and there's not the fluency that you'd see from a Hawthorne or a Collingwood. No, no that's right. I think um, our guys are just struggling to get into space. So often with the bombing of the ball being so aerial, um, there's usually the third man, fourth man up in the contest to kill, this, kill the um, contest, usually towards the boundary line. And, uh, 
doesn't give our crummers a chance and it doesn't give our, our top forward a chance. And all it does is attack attack for the opposition is often started in deeper defence these days and um, we've been very vulnerable on the quick transition. So Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it's probably important to mention some of these other small forwards apart from Winderlich as well because Nick Commer's seemingly um, been going unquestioned by the uh, coaching panel and I'd actually question whether he's actually offering enough in the team because he's fanatical with his pressure, but for the position he's in, I don't think he actually provides enough. And especially in the last few weeks, I think he's been more of a liability than an asset on the field. Uh, I like his uh, love his tenacity. Um, I've been having uh, ongoing debate with lots of people about his value in this side. Um, I'm very much a common fan myself personally, but um, one thing his output hasn't probably matched his uh, his effort. And um, I can forgive a guy who's just starting out to, to try and put it in as much effort as he does as a couple of others that look like they're a little bit more lethargic or a little bit more uh, uh, just complacent. And, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it could be good to go down and have a spell at the VFL side and, and get a bit more of the footy um, and hunt a bit more of the footy rather than the opposition. Yep. Because I think he can probably offer us a little bit more than what he, he... I think he's capable of offering us a lot more than what he currently is. It'd be nice if we had sort of a hybrid between him and either Leroy Jetta or Corey Dalolio um, to provide that real offensive bow to his um, defensive flair because it seems to me as if Comar, if he's going to be a really successful player, really needs that extra string to his bow than just the tackling sort of defensive forward. So... Yeah, Hopefully that develops, but I'd be inclined to give him a rest for this week and see if he can uh, build upon that in the VFL and then translate that to the AFL form later in the year, maybe, or next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that Essendon players have been criticised for in the past has probably been too too much attacking rather than defensive going through the night there and, and start of the hurt area, so... It's probably a good thing to have someone who isn't before he is positive, but he definitely does have to add that strength to his play. Yep. Um, and I think he, there was just one other player I wanted to mention, the fourth, uh, fourth one who played on the weekend, and that's Tom Bellchambers. Uh, just have a look over his stats, and they'd tell you that he had six touches on the weekend, at about, and four of them were effective. He had 11 hitouts for one goal and two marks. Um, I just question whether he's actually being utilised effectively in the side. I feel if he's going to be in the side, he actually has to be a genuine second ruckman, maybe sharing the duties with Paddy. Now, obviously, he'll stay in the side because of Ryder's suspension, but I'm not sure if he works in the side with uh, Ryder as well, playing as a dedicated forward. He's shown he's got potential there, but I don't think he does it consistently enough for him to justify a weekly spot under that role. Yeah, I tend to agree. I actually think we've got the balance balance wrong. Um, I think that Paddy Wright is a better forward than what Tom Bell Chambers is. However, um, I think uh, they're both excellent in the middle. Uh, so to balancing act, the team balance, I've always liked it when we do have Paddy up there. He's a little bit more agile and, just, and he's a lot better at ground level. Just gives us an extra... Bow down there, and, um, 
Look, I think they're both valuable assets. I think once I sort that balance issue out, I think that they're the best. I think statistically they're the number one ruck combo in the competition, but definitely uh, Donald Chambers probably needs his uh, form to be a little bit more consistent and probably match a little bit of Paddy, who has been inconsistent coming into season. He's probably been his most consistent year, but um, still not his uh, great strength either. So once them two another year or two together, I think that they'll be quite dominant, and I think that's around about the area when we're going to be striking uh, towards premiership status when those two are up and about. Yeah, I think um, on the point of structure with Tom Bell Chambers and Paddy Ryder, it'll be also um, be interesting whether in coming years, because it won't happen event, um, initially anyway, because we're seeing with Joe Danaher as a potential second ruckman, he doesn't have that um, ruckman nous yet or that physical strength to match it with the uh, ruckman in the AFL. But with his height, um, he might be an option similar to a Drew Petrie at North Melbourne where he'll be a key forward for 90% of the game, but he's able to provide that chop out to a rider or bell chambers, whoever's in the main ruck. Um, so I just wonder whether that might be effective going forward as opposed to the bell chambers rider setup, or whether all three could actually play in the same side effectively. It is. Um, it's an interesting point because um, all three of them, if not the, if not A grader already, the all three of them have the capability to be A grade midfielders and A grade big fellows are uh, very attractive at the trade table. So um, depending on what our sanctions are in the next 24 or 48 hours, it might be interesting to see if there is um, some movement at the trade table regarding on those those three. I, I personally would like to take all three, but yep. um, it's definitely uh, it could be the one that one A grade on ball or it might be two A grade on ball with graphics um, that we might be able to pick up with one of those big guys. So yeah, like for instance, if a maybe even a Nick Del Santo or a um, I'm trying to think what other players would be on the table in that um, that fit that criteria. Maybe even stretching it, but a Dale Thomas who's been very much rumoured to be uh, wanting a sea change from Collingwood. Perhaps that, you know, that type of player who'd be the cream on top as opposed to, like, an outside player as opposed to, um, you know, the nitty-gritty type of player who we seem to have a abundance of at the moment. So, so I wouldn't mind uh, an Adam Cooney pending on his knee and how it holds up. I mean, his form's been pretty good this year, um, especially the last probably two or three months um, with his knee holding up and he seems to have got that explosive payback and uh, he'd be very dangerous and handy to have rotating off a half-forward flank with a, a Zacker or someone or that side and I don't reckon we'd act up a hell of a lot to get him. He's out of contract, he's an unrestricted free agent and um, yeah, the doggies are after tall so that could be even you know, something that we maybe even a Gumbleton or a, um, down the track, or St Kilda with Nick Del Santo, that might be something where we offload a Tate Pears or someone of that ilk at all defender that they're obviously craving for, but um, as much as I'd like to keep all of them, it's uh, very much why I'm not at the trade table, because I always overrate our, our players, and under the pedals is extremely a problem with uh, all the list managers going around too, they're a bit... Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, I'd actually, I think if we're going to go after a midfielder, it has to be, I think Acuni is a very good example. 
a player who's still got years left in them, but perhaps wants that ultimate success and is able to provide an outside game because apart from Stan, um, from Zaharakis and Stanton when he wants to show up, it's an area that's really lacking. Like We haven't had that sort of flair since we've had a Andrew Lovett, for instance, who yeah, used to be... A, who, you know, was inconsistent but would win us games almost off, you know, his class occasionally. So I reckon Cooney would be a very good option. Yeah, um, I, I like him too because he, he can play inside as well as out. Yeah. Um, and depending on injury and rotation and form and stuff like that, um, you know, you, you can pick him to play either role and you can do either role within the one game without um, having to decom decompartmentalise uh, the way he sets up and trains and all that sort of stuff, he'd just be able to put the switch and go. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. as much as I love Howlett, and I do love him, um, if we can get players like Cooney and all that sort of stuff who push players of Howlett's quality out of the side, then we're a much better team if people like Howlett can't actually get a game. And Well, as much as I'm the same, I'm a big Benny Howlett fan, but... Um, if Ben Howlett, rather than being a uh, a core midfielder, can be a depth midfielder, I mean that's the um, the showing of a, of a club of, of real strength in that department. I mean, um, he'd walk into the most AFL sides. Generally, you see a Hawthorne or a Geelong, um, Sydney, even they've always got midfielders on the periphery. Come finals time, with our hard luck stories, and um, we. Probably haven't got that depth just yet, but um, you know they're the types of guys that, have to, if you need them, they can come in at a, at a flick of a switch and they're in there to contribute. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll move on to the midfield now specifically, and there's a couple of players in Brent Stanton and David Zaharakis who have caught the, um, who have been t- um, icons of frustration for Essendon supporters the last couple of weeks in. So much that they've been in the, the developing a bit of a reputation, especially in the last couple of weeks. I know Stanton previously has, but of being a bit of a front runner and not, and not really providing that pressure the other way, which of course then puts the backs under pressure. And that's, you know, um, obviously it's been harped on about by Mark Robinson the last couple of days. But the our last three weeks have been our biggest scores conceded all year. So um, I guess. It's highlighting two players in a team, but they're the prime example of what we don't want to see in our midfield. I don't. Um, would you agree with um, that uh, generalisation yeah. that Stanton and Zaharakis actually need to lift their defensive efforts? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Zaharakis is playing hurt. I don't think he's recovered from his back injury. He hasn't been in the same place since he's come back into the side. Uh, I think he's been playing hurt. Although yeah. defensive. Uh, Defensive acts are probably not his strongest point. Um, however, at the start of the year, when we're playing good team defensive football, it wasn't an issue for neither Zaharakis or Stanton. So I don't. I, I think it's a lot of it's got to do with mindset, and at the moment, mindset is a long way off where it needs to be. And as I alluded to earlier, I think that. Um, a lot of that's got to do with the situation that they're in, and even with Sarakis and a couple of the other blokes, um, they're in the same age. Heppel, 
I mean, Heppel's effort's been there all year, but I think um, their form has just wavered a little bit. Uh, with the wavering of their own individual form, the pressures that they're under with the uh, SADA investigation, and um, I think their attitudes have just, just dropped a little bit, and um, it's just making it harder to run, run two ways when not at the end of the the end of the day they're playing for. I think that they've actually got that message um, last week. You know, um, Brendan Goddard actually jumped on the mobile phone and got all, all the scenes caught up during the week after selection and um, tried to rally the troops because he could sense it during the week. So, um, yeah, yep. I think um, I don't think that Zarakis and Stanton are the only ones that even... I know that Heppel was exhausted uh, chasing after Cripps in that last quarter yesterday, but um, Dyson Heppel six weeks ago wouldn't have given up on that chase. He still would have fired through. Um, as soon as Cripps got two metres, he, he put the queue in the rack. I know it's late in the quarter and we're getting flogged, but um, it's just little things like that. I, I think there was a whole, the whole third quarter, I think uh, on the outer wing, Wellingham and a couple of the other... Uh, West Coast Blokes, I think there's three of them, outlinked about six Essendon players who all six refused to chase. And I think that um, it's all like a cancer. As soon as it starts happening, it's it's reds and it's really hard to contain. And um, it's something that the, the guys, I, I think, are only edict of what's going to happen to them in the next coming weeks will rectify it this year. Otherwise, it's going to take another pre-season of building and um, we'll rally the troops and hopefully... We've got enough petrol tickets in the tank to go a bit further than we did last year and then this year, and then hopefully we just keep building. Yeah, definitely, and it's definitely got the um, it's symptomatic of the players just really just dropping their heads. It's almost uh, as if they're defeated um, before they go around the field, and they're competitive for the first oh, about two and a half quarters, but then from there it's just West Coast got a bit of a run on, and it was just all downhill really. So um. Um, yeah, well, games of footy get. Go on. Oh, sorry, yeah, games of footy get to that uh, sort of third quarter where uh, natural fitness and stuff like that only takes you so far, where it starts to become written determination, and I think that's exactly what we've been lacking in uh, the last couple of weeks. Is that it is hard just to summon the strength that they've summoned all year um, to keep going to the final storm. I thought what I had been previously. I mean. Um, some of the performances they put in earlier this year, two over in Perth um, against Carlton, uh, to, to come back from unwinnable positions, they just haven't got that in the in the stomach at the moment to be able to do. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just been one mountain too. Uh, yeah, one mountain too more to climb. Uh, we got over the Fremantle hurdle. We even came back from Adelaide. We came back from Carlton, and it just seems we've used all our petrol tickets and. I think uh, I think everyone had that hesitation going into the um to, into the game today where or yesterday I should say where we'd either come out the side that we were in the first uh, seventeen rounds or we were doomed to our fate and I think uh, I think most Essen supporter realists um, have come to realise that there isn't much left to gain from this season. Perhaps uh, competitive in the final, and if we're lucky, win a final. But there's, as for the grand aspirations of a premiership or a top four tilt, I think that's on hold for next year, well and truly now. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I 
grand hopes of winning a final match too, even up to three week three weeks ago. But um, at the moment, they're, they're, uh, they'll be lucky to be competitive in the final. Um, we'll be looking at no matter what side we play, we're right up against it. I mean, we've got Carlton, North um, Melbourne, and Richmond on way home, and I think uh, how we play against, in particular, North Melbourne and Richmond will give us indication on um, on how we're going to first week in the finals. And I mean, Richmond should be a game of huge significance because we Fletcher breaking the record now that um, he's got his suspension. But uh, it's it's hard to see that might be the only motivating grace that we can possibly get out. They they are going to get out for now and close, but I still can't see that. I mean, yesterday we equaled the record and it was Stanton two hundred. Who has been because still. And they, they still put in a, a lifeless performance. Um, it's just not you can turn, turn around by a milestone uh, motivation, I suppose. Yeah, and no, I agree. Um, but we'll wrap it up now quickly. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on the game or what? anything you'd hope to improve on next week? Yeah, I, just, I hope that um, just the defensive running. Uh, I think uh, we've, we've been cut up easy coming out of our forward line. So it starts with a bit of defensive pressure in the forward line. Look, I thought Davey had a poor game yesterday. I hope he gets another another crack. Um, just because we need to we need to stop the flow coming out of there. I hope Kramer is uh, just about ready to go. Um, and yeah, if we can stop the uh, the tidal wave coming out of defence and uh, maybe giving a bit of relief to Carl Walker and Tate Bears and um, Jay Carlisle down there and um, it might actually hold us in good step but I know that uh, North Melbourne link really well across our back and they uh, they run the touchdown very 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 quickly so they've, they've done that against Geelong and a couple of other top notch sides so we've got our uh, work cut out for us so I don't see it happening but um, we always remain optimistic yeah and I'm inclined to agree I think um two biggest concerns to coming out of the game was as you said the defensive running and yeah once again the dysfunctional forward line that really does need a solution going forward yeah I mean it's dysfunctional in two areas I mean it's dysfunctional as an attacking option it's also dysfunctional as defensive but um, coming out the other end I think um, they're both just as big a concern as others I think everyone sort of looks at the inside 50s and um, lack of scoring from them and says that's our biggest issue um, and actual scoreboard pressure that flags everybody's interest but I actually think that the uh, the scoring that comes from the opposition from deep within our forward line is more of a worrying um, issue I think if we can stop that we'll keep it in our forward line for longer and we're more of a chance to, to score so uh, I think that's where our biggest issue was. Yeah just um, of note the uh Rebound 50s for the weekend were 47 to 30 in favour of West Coast. And I think that really emphasises your point that it's a two-way street with the forward line where it's coming out much too easily. Yeah, I think an injection of some speed and um, some tackling pressure. And that, that's somewhere where Comer has dropped in the last couple of weeks where he's been pretty good at. That's been his pretty saving grace for being in the site. So if he does get the opportunity again this week, um, hopefully he looks in that area and... Um, so, so do a couple of his mates. Yeah, and I agree. Um, that's all we've got time for today. So um, 
thanks for coming in, Table Tennis. Um, I hope you had a good time, and hopefully um, Essendon improves on what we want them to improve on, and we see a better showing against North Melbourne on Saturday, 4.40 at Etihad Stadium. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, everyone.